0: Welcome to the Dividend Talk podcast, episode 38. Our thoughts about different popular valuation metrics. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. I'm your co-host, Engineer My Freedom, and today I'm joined with European DGI. This is a podcast where we discuss our passion for dividend growth investing with our own unique European flavor. If you're new to this channel, please hit the like button and subscribe to us and check out our previous episodes on YouTube and Spotify. See you on the inside. hola european dj how have you been this week
1: really good Uh, finally i got to um, relax a little bit after earnings season i mean i know there were some growth stocks this week but you know i don't care too much about those so it was so relaxing i could focus a bit now on my analysis to look back at some of the companies that were uh, reporting earnings and to get some inspiration about companies i want to further analyze and write about on my blog so it was actually quite relaxing, but I'm wondering if it was the same for you.
0: Yeah, it was a busy couple of weeks, wasn't it, with, with all these earnings, but I, I'm pretty much the same. I'm starting to filter through my portfolio. I started with Coca-Cola, so I've, I wrote about them this week. and um, ended up selling them. but um, You can see why if, if you want to read my blog post. But I'm just going to try and do that for all, all my portfolio and, and weed out the companies that I don't want. But it was definitely... A more relaxing week i felt i felt like i had so much free time when i came home from work i, I really did not know what to do so <laughs> it was nice hey but it, it's it's been quite a proud week for for both of us this week we hit 1000 downloads you know over 1000 downloads in, in a week i'm quite quite chuffed about that
1: yeah and this was pure podcast right because we have also something on youtube so these were pure numbers uh, not the total numbers and yeah i'm just it's just really funny to see right how we started last year just talking a little bit about dividend stocks recorded ourselves through it on the on the internet and uh yeah now there's quite uh quite an audience and a really engaged audience this is actually what makes me most proud
0: yeah we we, we do get a lot of engagement on on twitter but i realize not everybody is on twitter so we are available on Facebook and also email. It's dividendtalk at, at gmail.com. So any questions or even if you just want to chat, just feel free to contact us on any of the platforms. And we both really enjoy it and we love it. So feel free to reach out. So I'm, I'm just going to jump straight to the point here. and And I believe a lot of people have been waiting for this, but you've done it again. You send out a tweet, and a CEO resigns. How, how do you sleep at night? How do you feel about this?
1: I, I feel totally fine about this. <laughs> 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 it's it's really simple. In this case, so for the listeners, what I did um, uh, after the dividend cut from Danone, I tagged the CEO from the Dona, Danone, Emmanuel Faber. I guess he will be listening, actually, today, because... Um, uh, would be part of his personal development plan but uh, i tagged him on twitter and I, I asked him like why did he do this because i was clueless and i did this before also with the former ceo of intel and literally uh, both ceos and the, the only ceos that i ever attacked like that uh, resigned or got fired so there was I, I, you know uh, all jokes aside this is of course just coincidence but uh, yeah it is fun to see right and in this case he resigned himself it was his proposition i, I learned and when i read through the analysis is that there are some uh, active investors there that are really demanding change i think it's good i feel a bit sorry for actually f- for the person from that point of view because what i really like about the ceo from danone is that he has really the stakeholder mindset uh wants to do good for the world um also in his product line and that's why they have such a nice product line now. Yeah, that's why they have all this uh, plant-based stuff, which I really see yeah. as the future. I just think that uh, at a certain moment, what you see often an organization itself as well, sometimes you just need a new fresh wind, someone with new ideas. And I, I can only say that I have respect for a CEO that comes to the cl- conclusion themselves that it might be a better better uh, role for someone else to to try it. I think he still stays being the chairman but not the CEO anymore. So yeah. actually I have a bit of respect for that. Um that he resigns I think is 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 a good thing. Um he cut the dividend with 8%, so I I believe you are not totally sane then anymore. Whatever good strategy you have behind it. Um yeah yeah look I, i'm not sure it was the dividend
0: cut that that made him <laughs> <design>. <laughs> but but he did he did mention and i've said that when you read the annual report that the share price is not where where it should be and i believe investors were probably putting a bit a bit of pressure on him because of that i mean investors want to see a return yeah. on their investment and and they weren't seeing that in in price appreciation and um, which is more typical of what european investors may want so he was under a lot of pressure in, in that sense but he did look he did make some good re- reforms i think it was a shame he stepped down i, I don't think he performed too badly i would have liked him to see him continue for a little bit so you no know, best yeah. best of luck to him and and it's 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 untypical, isn't it for kind of a french guy or a french company to to do something like this yeah
1: that that's 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 where my respect comes from yeah, that he actually does it. I don't know if he had a gun on his head, of course. I was not the, the fly on the wall in the room there. Was, was <laughs> but, it your gun? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but honestly, um, how I look at it, uh, EMF, the C- CEO gets massive pay packages, and I believe we may demand more from them. Of course. Yeah, Then, then what we as simple uh, foot soldiers on the work floor uh, um uh do so from that point of view and i mean you should not forget right i think the known was one of the first companies last year that where where all the the whole board said we we hand in a quite quite large amount of our bonus and everything so i think the ethics in this is board are really really um i think exemplary to to many other um boards that we, that we know in the world so but you know in the end i'm a shareholder and i demand uh, i said uh, i just demand more out of it than what they have been giving and uh, i like this strategy now going back to local but yeah maybe they need another guy now just to try it he can always come back if needed
0: yeah 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 he's still there so i'm sure he'll still be offering his advice and guiding yeah. whoever, whoever comes in we, we we have some questions on on that later I, I, I was going to ask them now but we will we'll keep them from later on good you have some some more news i believe on shamat
1: uh yes uh so uh, chamat uh, paliyapitiya yeah. <laughs> he sold his personal stake in virgin galactic um it's this company from which branson as well that he that where they merged and uh, via a spec deal mm-hmm. This company is really up a lot, under 60% this year already. And now it's uh, almost back to its uh, price as per one January. And that's because uh, Chamat sold his personal stake uh, in, in the company. So they still own a lot of social capital. The news item or the press release said that he is selling this so that he can allocate this money to a new deal that he's doing and i understand this but i find it really interesting then how the stock prices respond to that how the market respond to that so what it tells me that chamath himself is like like katie wood if if they put somewhere their money then they have such a large following that it really really drives really strong volatility in the share price and i find this amazing to see how how many how many people are in it only because of him yeah, yeah. Although his company is still in the in Virgin Galactic. So that's also really interesting.
0: Yeah, his company is still in there. But if, if you're following him and you see a large sell off like that, automatically it would trigger you to sell as well, wouldn't it? Because if, if he's getting out, it means he's made his money, there's better return somewhere else. And that's why he's getting out. So why, why yeah, would but, you stay in
1: there? Well, because you believe in the business
0: yeah yeah but it's if you're following a
1: company purely based on on this guy you, you might not I know they're not of course yeah yeah i'm not such kind of an investor uh,
0: in that point no no here. no me neither but but you do see lots of de- like like the katie woods you do see lots of people investing purely because these yeah. guys are doing it so when when they get out yeah. then naturally you're going to get out of the market and it's going to it's going to yeah. cause a, a sell-off so
1: yeah, yeah. I have that only when when you are buying something that I think like, hmm, should I buy it as well? But other than that, I don't have that.
0: <laughs> don't don't follow me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then another news item, and uh, which I found really interesting because, of course, there were a lot of red days for some people on the stock markets uh, this week. I saw a lot of it on my timeline about uh, people losing 15% on a day, 10% on a day. So in those days, I'm really happy to be a dividend (laughs) investor because I had a green day uh, from that point of view because I've got massive oil still in my portfolio. So, you know, I I had a big smile on my face, of course. But the reason behind it, why this was all happening was because of the US Treasury yield going up to one and a half percent. And that's quite the news because, I mean, people cannot see that but in our prep i put the chart there in in, in december 2018 it was still three percent then at 2020 january it was around 1.75 percent, and then with COVID 19 it went to what is it zero comma 60 percent yeah re- and re- then whoosh, all the way back up since this summer since august right so there's lots of volatil- volatility in this treasury yield yeah
0: and and, wh- and why is that significant What what is the significance of that
1: so how i how i understand the market right if what the market effectively says is like screw you powell um you can okay. you can you can think whatever you want but we think inflation is coming so this means that you know we, we demand more from the US, u.s treasury yields and you know then and then you get this inverted because what's important when you consider inflation and such and the US Treasury yield it has an impact on the I um, said on the cost of capital in the market because it then also becomes more expensive to to for instance to sell bonds you, the market will demand a higher return from you and percentage wise which means then if you start using a valuation criteria what we which we are talking about today like a discounted cash flow which I think half of the market runs on and it suddenly doubles compared to two three months uh, ago your cost of capital will increase so your weighted average cost of capital which means that if you discount that with your future earnings let's say your future cash flow, it's just less worth than what it was two weeks ago hence you want to pay less for a company yeah and the impact is even better if you go from almost zero from almost zero to one and a half right because the impact it's almost how do you call that such a long tail uh, formula, right if the if the u s treasury yield is a zero, you can uh, you can pay almost anything, yeah with free money. so the the first part of the the hike really um uh, puts pressure on the on the stock stock prices, specifically the high growth ones that are highly valued.
0: yeah no it's it's it's, it's interesting and I, I, I think Powell, they've targeted inflation of about two percent, is it two or three mm-hmm. percent? yeah so, so so they they wanted to rise slightly um and we can certainly see that going to be happening soon it's not going to be good for some of our companies that are in in debt at the minute like yeah if if interest rates are going to rise this quickly people are going to struggle i think
1: yeah but it won't get to 5 or 6% that that quickly so i see this more as a gap recovery from where it was before covid so mm. and it almost closed the gap then when it's at two percent. so yeah uh,
0: it, it might put the brakes on the fed uh, printing money for a, a little bit as well
1: yeah yeah and i would be really happy because then um, how I see it um prices might mo- go even more down when there is less stimulus uh, and this is this kind of Dilemma right that that's now popping up the market is disagreeing. So that can have a, adverse effects But you know realty income went to 58 dollars or 59 dollars Well, you know I wouldn't mind buying some already at these prices uh, but Let it go to 55 and I definitely buy few again hmm. yeah, So I, i'm actually happy with it because the dividend yield just increases for us, which means We get more dividends for the same back.
0: So Yeah. Perfect. I, I think that leads nicely then into our topic where we're just going to discuss some of the popular valuation methods. Some of them I use, some of them I don't use, but it's nice to know what, what's out there. So we'll, we might talk the basic one first. First one that everyone kind of uses, which is the PE ratio. So do you want to explain to our listeners in basic terms what a PE ratio is?
1: Well, it's just the multiple of the of the annual earnings. Um, so the price to earnings, right? So if a company earns three, let's say three euro, and you have a price to earnings of twenty, that means the stock price is at that moment then at sixty euro. Yeah, and and there is kind of a rule of thumb that many dividend investors use that you shall not pay more than twenty. Uh, times the earnings uh, for a company because otherwise it's overvalued. It's kind of an, uh, I said, uh, a rule Unri- of thumb,
0: yeah, un- unwritten rule, so to speak, with with dividend companies. But to be honest, it's it's not something I follow at all. And at the moment, we've got valuations above twenty or well below twenty. I personally like to check against the industry and see what the industry average is doing and, and base it off of that i mean comparing i don't know someone like walgreens which has a low p ratio to a microsoft which is a high p ratio how can you put a valuation of 20 on both companies in different sectors it's doesn't make sense to me really
1: well actually um i i fully understand what you say but i often do look at it because from the other side you could say like okay you know it takes 20 years to get your get to get to the earnings right it's quite quite a lot 20. so if you then suddenly have a price to earnings of 30 and that's the weakness of this pe ratio because you're not taking growth into account earnings growth but if it is then for a slow growing stock uh at 30 pe it's for me something that usually i already disconnect from or disengage from of course the the weakness in this number is as well that the earnings might be uh, having a one-off for instance uh, an impairment or something like that which makes the earnings really really low and you see this for instance for cyclicals like an oil company yeah. when it's going uh, really well the pe is is is, is uh, how you said really low but when it's going really bad it's terrible but actually the best time to buy them when 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 it's bad yeah so
0: yeah but i i think this is a good starting point for for most people when coming up with some sort of valuation it gives you an average of where the company is at really
1: yeah but gives you a feeling that gives, that's what yeah, it is yeah, yeah
0: it gives it gives you a feeling that's that's a good okay. way of putting it
1: and then we have also uh, let's the next one is the price to book ratio the the famous one that warren buffett was always promoting yeah, where he looks at the equity, which is
0: the, equity is basically the book value. It's the assets minus the liabilities. Um and then he he gets the book value per share and then divides divides that by the price. I think I said that right. Um so it's it's a I I don't use this a whole lot because I find say for example I was I was looking at Coca Cola, for example, this week. I mean, they have a lot of intangible. I mean, intangible mm-hmm. assets and stuff. So their branding and and goodwill, and this doesn't give a a, a reflection on that. So they have a negative price to, price to book value, for yeah. for example. So I I kind of swear swerve this one a little bit. I, I do look at it, but I don't give it too much too much notice. It's 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 not for all. It's not for all industries. I'd imagine the oil sector is probably a tough one for this one as well. Yeah.
1: So I you know why I never use it because I believe it's quite popular when evaluating uh, banks and such because there mm-hmm. it makes more sense right if you look at the assets and I don't buy banks. And Buffett really liked it because his company was always cash rich it's really asset rich. I think it has one of the the most uh, tangible assets uh, in the world as a company Ber- Berkshire so then it makes a bit more sense but I also know that he stepped away from it because for instance instance, if you're buying back shares your equity also goes lower because of your treasury stock Mm. so with the financial engineering and such it becomes also much more harder to um to get a reliable value out of it
0: yeah I I I think I think you hit the nail on the head it's more for an asset rich company it's yeah maybe likes of Google and stuff like that, that that are really really asset rich but it's I don't find it a really good indicator for for most mm. companies yeah.
1: and how do you what do you think then about the next uh, valuation metric the price to sales a-
0: again it's 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 not another one that that I use a whole lot um it relies a lot more obviously on on the sales and and, and revenue but again that can vary that can vary so i don't i don't i don't think I've ever
1: used price to sales yeah. don't yeah. think I've ever used it so I know it's popular to use it um, when you have early early uh, growth companies that are not making profits yet because then the price to earnings makes no makes no sense as an example and then uh, what I always understood that is price to sales makes much more sense to use it because it's a more reliable figure at that moment and um, I said you can also better compare it with other companies at that moment in time yeah because that's what uh, to your point of industry comparison that's where it really helps uh, at the time okay
0: yeah it's, it, i mean probably probably better for for startup companies lo- looking at that, yeah. which which, which look, we invest in mature mature companies that yeah. have been around a long time i prefer yeah. to use earnings over over sales mm. in this case
1: I think it's good to share this um, specifically with our listeners that are new to dividend investing, that if you go to Morningstar and you see all these ratios, you know, after six years of dividend investing, like like we mentioned, uh, for me, PE, and, and and probably price to f- uh, free cash flow as well, yeah. makes some sense, but price to book and price to sales, I, I, I typically skip them uh, straight away those those are not values i look at at morning star they are nice that they are there but they don't have meaning uh, for me
0: yeah i'm 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 the same i i, I look at them at, i look at price to book sometimes i might compare to the industry but i don't pay any attention to it so in, in my template that i use that I, that i share you'll see that i use a dividend cash flow dividend discount model and the pe ratio i get the average of each um and that's pretty much what i use to value but you mentioned we mentioned PE ratio and and it has a downfall that it doesn't take into consideration the growth, but there is one metric that does that and that's the peg the peg ratio.
1: Mm-hmm. So this one I actually use quite uh, quite often, not a lot but often, and because what it really does is um, it's the PE divided by its growth, right? So uh let's assume that your price to earnings is 15 and the company is growing also with 15 then you have a pack of uh, of, uh, 15 percent earnings right uh future earnings yeah estimated earnings let's say then you have a pack of one and the the rule of thumb is like under one it is um as it undervalued between one and two you could still consider it for for a good business but when it's over two it's usually too rich uh, valued and i like this metric a lot because if you think about one of the metrics that is available on the web uh, quite easily without any effort without any analysis i like this one the most because it really quickly tells me that there's growth behind this uh, uh, company and it makes it also easier when for instance if you look at the PE to your point earlier when it's 25 25 and then the company's growing with 20% earnings expected to grow. Yeah then it's attractive right? So I really like that uh ratio for that um, for that reason. Do you know what what growth rate it takes is it one year or 5 years or I believe it's the the one year if i remember okay. uh, correctly. Yeah. Okay. And this is based on the analyst forecasts and everything. Uh, yeah. yeah. So i mean it,
0: it's it's a little bit short sighted in that in that respect because growth rates can can fluctuate but it's no it's it's still it's still a good good metric i actually found a really good website um today on that by a guy called aswat Damodornarin. i think his name is it's a it's an incredible website he has tons and tons the
1: master valuation i think yeah it's 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 incredible I've,
0: i've only came across him today and i just before we came on air i watched two videos he's he's incredible but he has a resource there and it has every company it has all these growth rates i'm probably going to get lost in that website this weekend uh, we'll post a link in this yep. description and i recommend checking it out but his videos that i've watched are, are top class and and his his
1: yeah i believe his, he's a professor at new york uh, yes. university and he's often on cnbc where they interview him and they call him the master of valuation and i remember Burswolf was always quite a big fan of him yeah
0: I, I i don't know how i haven't come across him before maybe i haven't i don't remember but when i was i was getting lost in all the valuation all the excel spreadsheets he has literally has everything and you yeah. can download it and it's for free he doesn't ask you for an yeah. email address doesn't ask you for anything just all they are take it and use it and it's pretty good so
1: because his uh, salary is paid by the uh by the students in the tax office so he better make it for free, indeed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, he could he he could he could earn a few quid if he really wanted to. It's it's. That's true. That's it's true. It's, impre- it's impressive stuff. But I'll we'll put it in in the link below, and I would say check it out.
1: Okay, so then um, now let's look at uh, the next one, which we already start to calculate ourselves a little bit. And next one would be the dividend discount model. And I know you've used it also a few times. Could you elaborate a little bit on what it is and what you use it for?
0: Yeah, so, so we're pretty much looking at the future cost of dividends based on based on the value now, what, what it will be into the future is what we're looking at. Uh, yeah, so w- one of the things that you have to do with, with this discount model is you have to estimate a, a couple of things. And you have to estimate the, the dividend growth rate what the cost of capital will be and then your expected dividend per share so this opens it up to a little bit of discrepancy so depending on what what you feel or what what input you put into this will determine how accurate it is so it's i find it a really good a good way of valuing a company but it does rely a lot on your inputs and what you personally think will will happen with with the growth rates
1: yeah, and the sensitivity is really strong, right? So if you, mm. for instance, have a cost of capital of seven and a half percent or eight percent, it has already a really large impact on on, on, on the fair value price of the companies. So, um, uh, but what is what the good thing is, you can get these numbers from, for instance, StockAnalysis.net uh, website as an example. So we can put the link in the uh, in in the description as well often you can get the data there and sometimes they do this calculation already for you as well yeah fin Finbox uses it as well and there's just there's, there's
0: plenty of plenty of websites out there that that will do it for you and um, but again it's all depending on on what you put into it and how accurate it will be and um to follow on from that then what about the discounted cash flow
1: yeah that's actually my favorite one probably because i'm uh, having an analytic mind analytical mind what the discounted cash flow is and literally the words say it already these are the cash flows that are discounted to the price from today so the future cash flows let's say the future 10 years of cash flows you can estimate them discounted to the price of today because money in the future is less worth compared to the money that it is today if you consider for instance inflation now this is where we come back to the cost of capital again. So a typical number for cost of capital in an interest environment that we have now is 8%, right? Uh, I would say I would argue that around 2007 it was probably 10%. So if you believe that every dollar therefore that you have today gets 8% less worth for you. So next year it will be uh, 92 cents because of your cost of capital's 8% yeah that that means that a uh, dollar 10 years from now is 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 really worth much less and that's how you're looking at um, uh, the the sum of cash flows in the future so what you can do take let's say that your cash flow now is um 100 million your free cash flow and you think that it will grow with um i don't know with um Ten percent or something like that, and then you have a cost of capital of eight percent. Maybe it's then hundred two million worth next year. I'm doing this from my head, not using a template. Now, but then you can you can uh, take the hundred, the hundred two, and 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 so on for the next ten years. Um, to to to, and then you sum that all up. You get a number out of that. But then you assume that this is for 10 years, but there is also still like an assumption there that, hey, there's still cash flow for the next maybe few decades. What you then typically do is what you call a terminal multiple. So you say like, okay, in the company then will be still like, um, let's say we're 15 times the cash flow in year 10. Yeah, if, if you want wanna purchase that company. So what you do then is you sum the 10 years of cash flow plus the multiple of 15 times a cash flow, and then you get the number out of that. And that number is your uh, intrinsic value of the company, and you divide that by the amount of shares that are outstanding, and you get the fair value price of an individual share. It, I think it will sound really complicated, uh, and it is not easy, because you really need to know what you're doing, but I think that there are a few components that are really important, and that's the the free cash flow that you estimate the growth rates that you estimate and i would always recommend to not um, use for instance a growth rate until into eternity just think about the first five years that maybe you think five six percent growth and then it goes to two percent growth like almost like a bond or inflation related i would recommend that for let's say consumer staples and such and um, then you have also your your cost of capital or, or also called the discount rate those are the most important factors i would say those factors in itself are a little bit less sensitive than the dividend discount model that's why i prefer the, the discounted cash flow model and the discounted cash flow model allows me really to to take uh, my thoughts about the business into consideration. So if I think that the business now still have like as like two or three years of exceptional growth ahead of them because of a catalyst, but then it will die down again because the market is saturated, you can all all put that in the dividend uh, in discounted cash flow formula. That's why I like it. Um, and and yeah, there I, I will soon, not today yet, but I will soon put also my template on there on my website so people can find it later. Uh, as well, or people can just ping me to get it. But I think you have also a template for that, so they can also go to your website uh, to grab it if they're interested.
0: Yeah. And we have we have one last one to speak about, and I think this might be the most popular with some of our um, colleagues out there, but it's the dividend
1: yield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should not forget that, because I think many people make buying decisions based on the dividend yield. Right, we're dividend investors so for me for instance a company below 2.75 percent yield should really have something special for me to consider it yeah so if you think then from a valuation point of view yeah probably i'm more interested in companies that are valued in such a way that they give me a dividend yield of 2.75 percent yeah I, I
0: i i look for kind of 1.5 times the S&P 500. That's mm-hmm. that's what I look for but it's it's easy to get caught up in this. If you look at someone like like AT&T for example with a 7% for the 7% um yeah yield. It's easy to feel that they are undervalued at that price. But then if you run a dividend or discounted cash flow on them, you will probably find that they're not undervalued. Yeah. They're, they're probably fairly fairly valued or overvalued
1: yeah and and that's probably good really what i actually forgot to mention about the discounted cash flow model because you need to substra- subtract it with all the depth and add the cash on hand to it yeah. and a company like at t looks usually really poor after that uh, yeah. compared to to others yeah you're right yeah so what i would just say like we discussed now i think seven or eight metrics um i think six out of them i, I consider in my analysis so it's not i i never focus on a on a single metric by itself i look at the pe i look at the price to f- free cash flow i look at the pack ratio i look at the di- dividend discount model i look at the discounted cash flow and i look at the dividend yield and if most of them are in red it's a no buy even if my favorite one the discounted cash flow still tells me it's 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 uh, undervalued yeah
0: right i'm the same but well, i only use three of them i only use the cash flow the discount model and the p ratio but but like that if 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 one of them is green and telling me to buy it's it's not enough and I, ne- I need it across more than one just to confirm just to confirm my own t-system and, and what i usually do is I, I give myself a margin of safety so because i make yeah. so many assumptions with with the dividend discount model and the discounted cash flow I'm not a world-class accountant. I'm probably going to make mistakes, so I usually give myself like a ten, or depending on the company, maybe a ten or fifteen percent margin, and and then that's what I consider then as a fair value.
1: Yeah, definitely. I do the same. Yeah, good. Well, I hope that the listeners found this useful. I hope for some of it it was not too complex or too simple. Uh, Just give us feedback if that's the case. We'll adjust our uh, uh, level of speaking then for the next podcast. Um, but maybe there's now a more nice time to go to the listeners' questions of this week.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder who's first on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Must be Phil, right? <laughs> yeah. You know it. You know it. Yeah. So so his first his first question is a good one. He asks so which incoming dividend
1: payment do you normally cherish the most? The Unilever one. Just because I love this company. I really like it. Um I just really like always that Unilever comes and makes me some, yeah, just puts a smile on my face. No clue why uh, otherwise it's it's awkward, but it's a really nice question because I think everyone has the has this with some emotion to a certain stock.
0: Yeah, my, mine is the same as Phil's actually, it's, it's realty income. It's just every month, bang, 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 it's there, you know it's coming. And I just, I don't know, it's something about a monthly paying stock. Just makes me smile. Every time I, I get the dividend makes me makes me smile. I'm still really irritated that I can't buy them on, on the gyro, by the way. And I haven't got a concrete answer. But it's the one company that I just I just know it's going to be there every month. And I, I love it. So Cool. Yeah. I, and I, I think the next question is is for you. And and Dividend Wave has asked a similar question. So we'll tie both of them in. But which CEO do you want to see next
1: resigning? and this is related with the two tweets right yeah so at the moment i don't have any strong candidate there's nobody that annoyed me enough um uh, to get on twitter again and to tag them so i I know that uh there are shivers growing through wall street and the whole wall street is listening to this podcast because they're all uh, nervous but you know if you're listening and you're a ceo you're getting a pass from me this week But now, honestly, if there's one CEO that I think needs to step up and has a last chance to um, do a better job as CEO of IBM, he's half a year in the job now, I think. It's uh, Arvind Krishna. I mean, I I mentioned already before in this podcast, it's a declining business. Um, His predecessor made a big mess out of it. And I have a feeling that he's just not... I don't know what he's doing there. He's, uh, I, when I listen to him, I uh, fall asleep. He, he's, he's now doing a spin-off, which there's nothing that excites me. There's just nothing that excites me at all when I hear him talking. So if I have this already, I think, like, what about their 100,000 employees? What are they thinking? If you have such a such a leader that... that, that I don't know. Yeah, I mean... He looks like a painting yeah n- n- nothing you know it just sits and, and and watches so for me i think he um he needs a strong personal development plan and and start yeah start getting some i don't know some how do you say it, some sex in him or something like that some energy in him yeah <laughs> if,
0: if i if i was alan as uh, alan job i think the unilever ceo yeah. if, if i was him i'd feel a little bit under pressure because it's the company you love the most and if he slips up he could be next out the door
1: oh yeah true, true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and how about how about john john stanky of of att how, how do you feel he's doing?
1: well what i really appreciate about him is that he's actually just selling all the crap that he was that he has inherited and yes he do he's doing this as, at at you know bargain prices but uh, what I like about them is a little bit like uh, Mr. Culp from General Electric. They got such a mess uh, uh, handed over that, uh, and and if I now look at what's his name, Larry Culp or from GE, I think this guy is doing really great. And I have a similar feeling about Stanky a little bit. I mean, I really don't. I'm really not happy with ATT with the shareholder wealth destruction that they have done. However, this tanky at least he's doing something, right? He's making up his mind. He's doubling down on HBO, is active in 5G. Of course, he has to. But I don't see this guy buying another DirecTV or what is it, Blockbuster or something like that. That's really what I don't see him doing. Uh, if he does anything, it's probably something stupid more that he goes into the satellite business. But at least then it's like forward-looking, not backward-looking. So for me, no, he's actually doing a good job and... and and i i just would like to see that he's not fooling us as a shareholders with with shouting that they decrease, i don't know what was decreased the debt while the debt went up that's just pure lying you shouldn't do that anymore and we should maybe just send him a message like a a direct message saying like stanky you know nice guys but you know don't fool us yeah
0: yeah it's it's interesting to hear you say that he he sold sold direct tv more more basically gave it away
1: yeah, you gave it away. Yeah, but maybe you know, maybe that was was even the best because um, the alternative was that he had to put money with it. And so, <laughs> yeah.
0: so, so I I just did a quick Google here while we were while we were chatting of the five worst run companies of twenty twenty. Can you guess? Can you guess the five of them? No. Okay. First one, AT&T, John Stankey. <laughs> second, <laughs> second one, Intel, Bob Swan when he was when he yeah. was there. The third one is Ford, uh, James D. Farley. Yeah. Then we have IBM. So we have yeah. Arvid <laughs> Kishner. <laughs> then we have Macy's Jeff Jeff Kenneth. So I mean three three out of five we picked there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you know we would all we would almost start to believe in ourselves. <laughs> 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 come on we're just bloody retail investors reading some annual statements from time to time looking them up on youtube i mean we're we're rather stalkers than investors when it comes to the ceos <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: exactly exactly
1: uh great
0: questions and and probably expected this week uh, based on based on the events of your tweets yeah
1: but hey who knows maybe stanky is next anyway let's go to the next question from dividend check our german uh, friend and he said he asked i recently saw a video from ian loppoch about the speculation strategy do you also own more speculative stocks assets or do you focus exclusively on dividend stocks
0: so recently i've started to trade a little bit in in foreign exchange so i I always have this itch to, to trade Always, always have, always had it, and I've started recently. There's there's a there's an Irish guy called Michael Horton, and he's there. He has a podcast called the Irish Forex Podcast, and he has a few blogs, and he's a great guy. I've been chatting to him quite a bit, but he started up this new website called Treaty FX, where he guides you through the basics of foreign exchange, and he also shows you how you can copy trading. And there's a couple of there's actually a, a, an Irish guy call runs black wave capital he manages nearly three million in that and you can copy his trades or it does it automatically for you so it's a good way to learn you can put in whatever I put I have a small amount of money in it's a good way for me to learn but also scratch scratch that little itch of, of trading. Um so that's that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm not comfortable in picking growth stocks. I'm not comfortable in, in any of that but I, I do want to trade so I've been tying a little bit with options. And trading other stocks. So I'm using interactive brokers for that, but I'm more focusing on, on FX at the minute because it's more fast pace and I, w- I want to want to learn it. So that's where my speculation is. But I've said a small amount of money in that it's it's purely it's purely for fun. I, I mean I don't mind if, if it crashes and burns, it's it's more of a learning ex- experiment for me. But dividend investing will be my main main strategy
1: yeah so i think i i responded to to this already before another podcast and um, but i have 10 percent of my portfolio allocated to what i call the mad money section but believe me you know i don't believe that facebook google and alibaba are mad money so but this is for me speculation it's still value investing i would say i think they, they are fairly valued but sometimes i do it sometimes um i buy something little just to to try it out but i mean that that's then we're talking not even a, about a tenth of a percent so not not speculation but i do invest in some non-dividend paying stocks like like facebook and such that i just mentioned
0: yeah from an Irish perspective this this is probably a more important question because I don't know if you read Wolf of Harcourt streets latest blog post and where he changed his strategy away from dividend stocks and he's he's in a higher tax bracket and because of that he can pay up to 50 52% in taxes on dividends so it's 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 quite difficult I, I'm not in that situation because my wife doesn't work and we can we can lower our threshold and, and spread it out so from an Irish perspective dividend stocks might not always be the best case but i've, I've already explained before etfs follow a similar route so the tax is, is quite heavy so that lends it down to the road of buying companies to hold like a growth stock yeah but again that's that's difficult for me so that's why i stick to to dividend investing if i was to pay 52 percent, i'd have to have to rethink that a little bit but it's, yeah. it's part part of the reason i want to learn how to trade and if i could make three or four percent a month off of that i'd be quite happy
1: yeah definitely mm. good thank you uh, good question then we have tommy he asked what do we think about Leggett and plat Inc. incorporated
0: do, do you know what I, i'll be honest it's one of these companies that i always see pop up but i never i never really look into them or yeah. i've never had the urge to actually look into them a, a little bit more
1: so I, I, for me the same, I always see it passing by, but also to give Tommy an uh, an answer to if I will pull it through my dividend screener, it actually lo- looks quite good because it has 49 years of dividend growth, which is for me really a dividend aristocrat. And I think 50 years it becomes a dividend king and there are only a few companies in that list. Yeah. It also spots currently a, a yield of around three and a half percent, which I think is um, uh, actually quite a good yield and if i look in there uh, at the business that they are in so it manufactures and designs and produces all kinds of engineering components that that you find in homes offices and auto and, and automobiles so it's it sounds like um a boring business 49 years of dividend growth so it it passes my criteria for my dividend stock screener so i'm actually uh, thankful that tommy shared it with me and maybe i should lo- start looking in it uh, a little bit because I I I like boring companies like that.
0: Yeah, boring companies is what is what we love. Hey, I, I, I'm always amazed at, at people that know every single stock. I every company they they know about it. I don't know how how people do this. I I struggle with my portfolio. Let alone adding in hundreds of other companies. So,
1: well, let's do this podcast for another five years with so many listeners asking these uh, great questions. I think we'll we'll double our knowledge about stocks certainly certainly
0: and I look forward to you writing a post maybe on these yeah sweet so we have a question from Arose, rose that I think that's how you pronounce it but he asked us if there's a 20 or 30 percent pullback in the market will you do anything special a lot of people talk about a uh, consolidation of portfolio what do you think about that
1: so i don't know what what consolidation of portfolio means but i can tell you what i will be doing i will be taking the key of my war chest open it up and i'll be um, doubling or even tripling my monthly investment into all these great stocks imagine that um, i think johnson johnson's around 150 dollars that it would trade around 100 dollars wow i i mean wow i I, I will be buying as much as i can johnson and johnson at that time so uh i will be a really really big buyer my war chest will be fully open and i will be spending like 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 crazy that's what i will be doing
0: i believe uh, consolidation he's talking about balancing maybe your portfolio i imagine that's what
1: so so yeah because the balance would be in like doubling down in my tier one stocks Yeah. so there are 10 stocks in my tier one category for instance. I would also like to love uh, love to own some Starbucks and Nike, specifically Nike, but it's always so bloody expensive. But if it comes down 30%, but I think Nike would come back in such a pullback around 50%, I would be for the first time initiating a position in Nike. I mean, it would be for me almost a dream come true uh, yeah. that 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 it happens. So, but I will focus on my tier one stocks because those are the ones that are so foundational to my retirement portfolio um i will make sure that i use such an opportunity for for strengthening that foundation visa
0: might be one that i'd be interested in if it dropped 30 percent they they yeah. always seem like they're overvalued and i really like like them as a company so i i would love to add them i know that they have a low starting yield but I'd, mm. I'd love to add them on, on a drop but i i'm the same as you if it drops 20 or 30 percent i i'm i'm going to be going all in as much as i can we've seen we've seen from the last drop that we had a march. it's easy to say this but when the time comes you you can see a lot of shaky hands and it's it's hard because you don't know when the bottom will be it could still drop yeah. another 20 percent after that but certainly if we see a large drawdown a large pullback i'm, yeah. I'm ready to to unload
1: the psychology um, is really hard at that time but last year i told myself do it do it do it do it don't don't get afraid. And I did it. And I mean, if I look at those purchases that I did last year, like Chubb, Johnson Johnson at $115, those were were really yeah. I mean, I was buying there in March, April around the bottom quite a lot. So I really benefited from that. Yeah. It was a good learning because it built my confidence that it was the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, certainly. Okay, and his second question then is, how often do you make buys in one month?
1: Yeah, usually once or twice. It depends on whether the um, savings that I get from my salary, let's say, I pay myself first, right? Whether I want to put it all in one stock or in two stocks at the same time. That's usually I, I... And, you know, to, to do more than two makes no sense for me because I pay still commissions on, 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 on the shares and the commissions just become too high to 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 consider uh, smaller purchases.
0: yeah, yeah. I would say i'm saying one or two because of, because because of the fees even though the fees are quite small on on the gyro i still yeah. prefer to to pay as little as possible so usually one maybe two if i'm into minds, but that's that's the most yeah
1: and then Tony has the last question he asks, what financial media do you read? And would you, and what would you recommend to others?
0: Yeah, I, I use Bloomberg Reuters and Seeking Alpha, although Seeking Alpha, not as much scenes. They have this block, this paywall
1: up, Yeah, but, but they are yeah. the, the three that I, I typically use. So I read most CNBC because I have my portfolio in there in the mobile app. Okay. And then you can nice see all the news that is related to an individual stock. What I also like about CNBC, they have all these little videos about where they're commenting on a certain company. So I can then see, for instance, on a company that I own, I see, for instance, a few pundits responding to it. And of course, these pundits they might have totally different investment strategies, but that's why I like CNBC. But to your point, um, this is usually quick news, quick bites. If I want to know a little bit more, I, I sometimes buy the financial. Uh, What's financial times? Yeah, and but then I buy it in paper copies so that I can read it from home just just because it's more study material and when it for the rest uh, actually after CNBC my biggest financial media I just invest the investor relation pages that I'm uh, you know roaming around on <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, well,
0: one, one magazine I do buy occasionally is The Economist
1: um, yes it's also which, a good one which yeah. I
0: quite well i when i used to travel quite a bit i pick it up in the airport all the time yeah um, me too. since lockdown i haven't actually bought it i actually i was actually thinking about that the other day i miss miss buying it but then that's because i probably miss traveling so yeah but it's a no it's another good one to add to the list
1: yeah okay so thank you all for all your questions Um as you could hear we're quite passionate about answering them let's go then to the last section and let's introduce the stock pick again because last time we had so many stocks to discuss that we uh, thought okay that was a bit enough but now in this case um, i would like to talk about consolidated edison i wrote a blog post this week about my watch list where it was also part of and why i'm writing this why why i'm bringing this one up is because red electric Red Electrica, the Spanish utility, cut its dividend by by 5%, and they are also committing less of their dividends in the upcoming years. And they put a bottom in place, which is less than what it is today. So for me, I want to get rid at a certain moment of Red Electrica and replace it with another utility. Then I did my stock screener, and I came out on Consolidated Edison, which is a... One of the largest utilities in the United States with a majority of its operation in the state in the state of New York and it mainly distributes electricity and gas um it has already 47 years of dividend growth so like like the other company that we just like a template that we did before also again a massive dividend aristocrat and it currently yields around four and a half percent which is quite decent for you uh, for a utility. It is trading around its five-year lows, and um, their five-year annual dividend growth rate is around three percent. So, and this is what you can expect from a utility. Um, we talked about valuation metrics: a PE of around uh, price to earnings of price to earnings of around seventeen at the moment. I find this company interesting and um, there's a lot going on in the States at the moment um, Phil asked me also today about it like what do you think now that the um, people are fleeing New York City to to out of the city to go live somewhere else I think that this might be a reason why the share price is down I've not studied enough full disclaimer here to understand why it's at its five-year lows because I'm i'm talking about this i'm recommending stock pick because it passed my screener i didn't do a full due diligence on on all all the flags that i see and when a company is a five-year low there is always a flag for me that i need to study further but um, if it is the hypothesis that people are fleeing new york city and going elsewhere well you know new york city new york state is quite big so i don't see that as a a too bearish case uh, for this company so for me it's a company that i'm going to study further in the upcoming weeks and that's why i'm sharing it today because from a screener point of view it checks all the marks and looks really interesting
0: that's a, a strange one with the people leaving new york my my sister lives over there and i i, I speak with her regularly and she has never mentioned that in, in the slightest it still seems to be as busy as ever and people around and um, so I, I haven't heard too much on that front but if if it's true it'll certainly certainly be interesting but i mean there's about 14 million people in new york
1: yeah Uh, so but he's right phil's right it is in the news and there are two states california californians rich people going to texas and in new york city what i heard that's that they are more escaping the city yeah yeah not necessarily escaping the state but you know for me new york is so special it's the financial hub in the world it will always attract people and it will always attract wealth i i i just can't imagine new york losing wealth and i know that there are some new york people in the in the media that went to florida because of a favorable tax environment and such but there's so much money going through new york i can't i can't see that this this will impact consolidated edison yeah still these high frequency traders need servers and they will need electricity so (laughs) yeah
0: yeah no it's a a a good company to to look into i mean they they don't own the power grid or do they apart on they just
1: distribute electricity and gas is it yeah but with that you also own the assets right when you distribute so for instance the i said um, the 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 power plants and such which um i said turn it into electricity and, and such when it's so usually such um, companies they for instance they get the energy from certain sources like a brown coal uh, factory or something like that or a wind farm and that's where the connection comes to a utility company because they then get this kind of electricity in their own current right they transform it into the right current that you can distribute and then they distribute it uh, to the to the homes but usually you see them when it comes close to the homes, there's a like a last mile company or a small utility uh, bringing it to the last to the homes.
0: So. That's a, uh, do you know what? That's a pretty good explanation. I, I was laughing away here. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm electrical engineer, so it's it's right in my field. But you explained that quite um, simplistic in in a, in a nice way. It was really good, actually.
1: Cool. Having said that, I think we came to the to the end of the show again i mean time flies you know it's amazing
0: yeah i can't i can't i can't believe that it felt like it was only five or six minutes so (laughs) that's after flights after after flying
1: yeah good well thank you everyone to for staying so long with us um we wish you all a really good weekend of course if you have some time on hands leave us this review on apple podcasts it really helps us out thank you for that and once again we mentioned it before on the show drop us just an email if you're not on twitter just drop us an email so it's dividend at gmail.com and we might be able to answer your question in the upcoming podcast have a good weekend all